Yeah, this team is a mess. This team is a complete and utter mess. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We're on to our last preview pod now. This week is going to be the NFC South and the NFC West. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Fitz. Hello. How are you getting on? Any crack? No, not too bad. Just uh, tipping away. Uh, have a brief respite today from the, basically it seems like weeks of uh, bowel weather. Uh, <laughs> uh even though it's only been a few days, but uh, now the the news uh, as we're recording is that uh, we're doing a little mini lockdown or something for the next few weeks or something like that. So uh, we'll see how that that goes on the COVID side. I think but, that's breaking uh, at the moment. I saw the advisory from the health uh, official guys, but uh, they're saying till the 13th of September or something along those lines. Yeah, just you know, if you're old, stay at home, and if you're working, if you can work from home, work from home. And, Stuff like that, and obviously oh. there's a bit of a surge in recent weeks, and uh, we'll see if this has, had, has any effect or not. Of interesting course, of course. Yeah, I've made it through quarantine. I'm now safe to re-enter society, uh, in that respect at least. Uh, so, just in uh, time to get locked down again. <laughs> just in time for a fresh lockdown and the weather to turn really shit. But uh, I know it's been fine. Keep myself interested. Had my uh, my two-year anniversary yesterday, so that was fun. Uh, oh. yeah, very very enjoyable. Went out to went out to a restaurant in Derry. We won't say the name, but uh, it serves both Indian and Italian food, so it's probably easily figured out from that. Uh, the food <laughs> was very nice. The service was appalling. It was actually one of the worst bits of service I've ever gotten in a restaurant before. So uh, I'm putting it down to I'm guessing that a lump of the people are new hires or are rusty coming back from like COVID lockdown or something. But uh, but yeah, not uh, not. Not, not good waiter and waitressing at all, at all, at all. Um, but I suppose we'll swing in and do a couple of bits of news. So uh, there's been a lot of transactions this week. This seems to be the week for tight ends to get paid. San Francisco signed a massive extension with George Kittle, their tight end, five years, 75 million, with, uh, I think, 30 million guaranteed on signing and another 10 once he starts playing or you know, all these weird, I'm never sure what the actual guarantees on things are anymore. Guarantees and guaranteed for injury are apparently different things now. And yeah, and fully guaranteed is a separate thing again. But Kittle was key player for them over the last two years, particularly in the Super Bowl push last year. He's an excellent blocker. He's an excellent catcher. He is very, very good. Um, like consensus kind of top two tight end, if not possibly fighting for the one there overall. Um, makes sense. He gets paid. Uh he gets a bit of financial stability. To be honest, this seems like an affordable contract for a player of that quality. Uh, I think it makes sense for all involved. Yeah, I think, you know, this is a reasonable contract. Like, when you compare this to the type of money that's been thrown around, even when we're talking about Dion Dawkins in Buffalo, like, he's mm-hmm. getting four years, 60 million. Like, George Kittle is an elite tight end, like, basically the closest thing that we have to peak Gronkowski in the league right now. Because, like, unlike, say, someone like Kelsey, who we'll talk about in the moment, like, Kittle is as good a blocker as he is uh, a receiving tight end. Like, obviously, everyone knows him because of the gaudy statistics in that breakout year. He had a couple of seasons ago. Um, he had a good season last year, of course, as well. But, um, 
you know, he's also a really good blocker and a very aggressive blocker. He, he's uh, someone who talks about enjoying getting up in the face of people. Uh, so, you know, you're basically talking about the complete player at the position and five years or 75 million, it is a reset of the tight market. But like, uh, I kind of feel like tight ends are one of those positions where they probably need a better union or something because they... Massively. Like, you look at yeah. the likes of George Kittle and his production. Like, you know, there's a lot of mediocre wide receivers who are getting paid more money than that. Yeah. And he, he outperforms them all. Like Yeah. And like, as I say, because as a blocker in that Shanahan scheme in particular, that is a run first scheme. And having a tight end who can be maybe not quite as good as a, as a tackle, but certainly not uh, a magnitude away from that makes such a huge difference. And I think the statistics when he was out briefly last year showed that the effi- efficacy of their run game reduced significantly mm-hmm. when he was out. So I think you're getting a all-round effects every phase of the offense type talent. And to get him for this, yes, it's high for a tight end, but I think it's very well deserved in this case, to be honest. No, of course. And then, like we said, a couple of them got sorted. Kansas City have extended tight end Travis Kelsey, four years, 57 million, with I think 28 guaranteed or something along those lines. Um, again, this is, you know, Casey locking down a key piece on their offense. It's all an extension to he already had two years left on his contract, so it doesn't hit the cap just yet. And it would appear that realistically what it is is it's a two-year extension, but then team options beyond that uh, is how I'd read it. So they've locked him in for the next four years. And obviously Kelsey is now 30 or 31, I think. So that will probably be around the point where they'll want to go year to year to ensure the production is still there. But again, key piece of that offense, uh, they're paying who's performing for them. So yeah, makes sense to me. And it's a good price, like I said. Like it's he's cheaper per year than Kittle is, but he's also older and probably more happy to take a team-friendly deal to stay with Mahomes and that at this point. Yeah, and there's the, like a, like I think you know we've had all these extensions in Kansas City with Pat Mahomes, with Kelsey, uh, with Hill. Like these are all players who, and even Sammy Watkins restructuring his contract. Mm-hmm. These are all players who want to be there. They obviously enjoy the culture there under Randy Reid. So. Mm-hmm. That means you get a maybe a little bit of a discount sometimes for players like Kelsey, like and, and like Kelsey, he, he's not like he's probably not as complete as Kittle, but yeah. you're, when you're playing a spread type offense like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs do, you know having a Joker or a wide tight end that is that's as good as Kelsey at catching the ball and getting and, and bringing down balls that you know have no reason to be caught is just a huge change. So. You know, I'm sure Kittle would be just would be good in that scheme as well, but Kelsey almost feels you know mm-hmm. tailor made to succeed under that scheme at the moment. No, of course, uh, Buffalo, as you mentioned, extend offensive lineman Dean Dawkins four years, sixty million, with thirty four million in guarantees. This comes as well as they gave uh, Sean McDermott a six year extension as their head coach. This just makes sense. He's performed well for them. They want to have stability with their still trying to develop their quarterback and so on. Like, I. I, I, it's a maybe a tad rich, but I think people are paying a lot for for offensive line at the moment. So. Yeah, he, he's just a uh, you know probably above average left tackle, but they're you know as rare as hen teeth in the NFL. And once you mm-hmm. have one, you stick to them. And you know like you're not going to get anything cheaper in free agency, so you might as well just lock up the guy in there. And I think obviously you know you mentioned McDermott got a six year extension. That is a team overall that right now has an identity has a future based on their current trajectory mm-hmm. and i don't like i think if you're if you're in that situation there's no reason why you would uh, deliberately take a step back by not you know sorting out the guys who may make the difference for your team and Dion dawkins mm-hmm. make sure that they get that run game going and keep josh allen protected no of course uh, green bay extend their defensive tackle kenny clark 
he gets a four million four year seventy a four million deal will be very cheap four year seventy million dollar deal um yeah he performed well for them kind of a little bit under the radar type of guy but overall good performer this seems rich to me particularly for a kind of a because he's a nose isn't he yeah but he's had some pass rush upside in in the last year so i think once you know he, he was probably lucky in the sense that his best like his sack production has has peaked up the last two years. He got twelve sacks in two seasons, which for a nose tackle is pretty successful. Yeah, that's um, obviously he's good against the run as well. So I think it's it's one of those cases that those sacks are probably why he gets the really big money because obviously if you're getting that interior pressure, um, that makes a huge difference for the rest of the scheme. Uh, so yeah, like it's a little bit much, but like defensive linemen who can pass rush are just so vastly overpaid that it's just one of those situations that you kind of have to get it done and as i say with the exception of perhaps the cap stuff being an issue if this season is cancelled early or something then you know the price for these guys is only ever going up no of course uh, dallas signed everson griffin defensive end uh adds him into the rotation on that line it's a nice signing they got him surprisingly cheap but i think one, one thing to note on a lot of the reporting of this is he had a very large contract that he opted out of beforehand but everything at the time was he was going to get cut from that contract anyway so there's no point in anchoring to that level of pay but i think he's getting like 7 million or something it's a pretty cheap contract for the one year yeah so like i think at this stage of his career he would be best suited to be a situational pass rusher like maybe you know kind of kept for obvious pass rush situations or at least you know ones that are mostly in that stage like i think he could still play at a high enough level to be a reasonably good like every down t- defensive end but mm. I, I i assume they're hoping to get some stuff out of their younger players like crawford if he, if he ever comes back alden smith i know there's some talk about him and of course now with an injury to their line that we'll talk about later uh, i think the pressure's on a bit more so you know like his production is you know i don't think you can argue with his production he's been an incredibly productive defensive end since he's come into the league mm-hmm. he had eight sacks last year but you know i think given where he is in his age ideally he'd be part of a rotation given where dallas yeah. are they might have to use him more than that and we'll see how he holds up in that case um, jacksonville signed defensive tackle jimmy jernigan this is after rodney gunther retires due to heart issues so just kind of a replacement trying to get someone off the retread pile really yeah, like Jernigan hasn't really been at peak play for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. but another chance for him to prove maybe have an up-season where he could get paid again. But uh, yeah, for now, he's just on the uh, carousel yeah. of, of defensive tackles. And the Giants have removed Catanzaro from the organization, decided to sign Graham Gano, who was cut last week from another team. So the, the, the kicker cycle continues to rotate around. We'll see where everyone lands by the start of the season. And in other news, Washington have hired Jason Wright as the team president. He's going to be the first black team president in the NFL history. This obviously comes on the back of the review of the name and the logo of the team. So now just the, the Washington football teams, the, the teams, go teams. Uh, they have had, obviously, a lot of scandal rock the organization for the last number of years, including mistreatment of players, mistreatment of staff, sexual misconduct allegations and so on. Um, so it seems that like they're trying to they're trying to do a bit of a PR job at the same time. Yeah. But uh, look, sure, it's a good it's a good spot. Up. It's great to see like them getting the first black team president and all that kind of stuff as well. I I, yeah. I, I, I would prefer they got to have a better shot at it by like being put on a better organization. But you know, yeah, like time is a flat circle and all that because they were the last the last team to have a a black player. Yeah. Of course, as we know, 
And, you know, Jason Wright, he, he is a former player. He was a running back uh, uh, about 10, uh, 15 years ago at this point. But after his career, he went back and got an MBA, worked for McKinsey for a while. And like like from a from a football fan perspective, like team president doesn't really make a huge difference. They're mm. not really involved on the football side. They're more involved in the, you know, brand side and organizational yeah. side. But, you know, I think this is an important statement by the football team, um, along with, you know, having Coach Rivera there, that they are they're an organization that wants to turn it around now. Whether you can ever do that while Dan Snyder uh, is still in situ is a, is an open question, but mm-hmm. he's certainly giving the best chance he can to hopefully uh, turn the image of this team around, and hopefully these people um, will be empowered to do what's necessary to make that happen. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh, crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. This one was great. Seattle have cut cornerback Kema Silverand uh, because he was caught trying to sneak a woman into his hotel room. Uh, from the reports that we've heard something you'd imagine they're in lockdown they're not meant to have anyone in some of the reports we've heard he put her in like a Seahawks jersey and a hat and tried to pretend she was one of the players uh, to try and get him past the security cards which is just phenomenal uh, but yeah and this guy like because he he was he was kind of a undrafted pickup who had like a two grand signing bonus or something so he really has screwed his shot there yeah, like this is this is probably the kind of thing that uh, will will never uh, never leave you uh, throughout the rest of your career, which will probably not be in in football. Uh, and then of course there's a few jokes going around the league, like uh, you know, like some co- some people were asked about, and they were saying, uh, well, uh, you know, I hope I hope she didn't actually look like a football player, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a new nose tackle. Wait, what? <laughs> No, uh, so, you know, very, it's, very it's, silly. it's something he, he tell his brand. Did you know anything about this player? No, this is a practice squad type guy at best. Like, But he has a story for the rest of his life that will follow him around or he can make advantage of it. We'll see how it goes. Mm, no, no, we'll see. We'll see. All, all, all the best to Kevin Silver. I suppose he wanted to use that. Maybe maybe he thought he only had two days before he got cut when they had to remove themselves down to the 80-man roster. So that is my one time to pick up someone by saying I'm an, I'm an NFL player. Um, injuries, we've had two larger injuries. Dallas defensive tackle Gerald McCoy has ruptured his quad tendon, uh, which I don't know all the details of, apart from that it sounds really painful. Uh, that will take him out for the season. They initially thought it was going to be an ACL tear, but it's actually uh, another thing, another injury that will take him out for the season. So not really a silver lining there for him. Um, obviously, you know, it'll help that they can now rotate in Griffin and stuff, but this is a loss for them. They were planning to have this Guy play like you know probably seventy plus percent of snaps this this season so uh, yeah big loss big loss to their rotation there. yeah and his career you know he's he's someone who's been on the decline the last few years after having a very good uh, peak of his career and now he'll uh, he'll have to really or he'll probably have to do a prove it deal if he wants to get back into the league after this type of injury and yeah they're at least Dallas relying on people like you know Tyrone Crawford Neville Gallimore rookie they drafted these are. These are all guys who there are major questions around, and that's a Dallas team that's had a lot defense that's had a lot of makeover. So mm-hmm. we'll see what they're able to do uh, under Nolan, their new DC. No, of course, a uh, New Orleans Saints uh, guard Andres Pete has uh, broken his thumb apparently, so we don't have a full timeline for him getting back. But they're not writing off that he might be back for the season opener. As we know, we've seen players play through broken thumbs and things like that beforehand. But as a lineman. You probably need it a little bit more for the hand fighting and for you know basically it's a lot more hands hand to hand combat in the in the trenches. 
like he may end up being able to play through it, but it will probably affect his production mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but I think he's in a race to be ready for week one, but I imagine he'll be playing at some point this season. No, of course, of course. Uh, and the other part, just in controversy corner, I suppose, is uh, Chargers defensive end Melvin Ingram is holding in for a new contract. So it's not that he's not turning up, he's turning up, but he's pushing for a new contract while attending trainings and walkthroughs and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, so this kind of reflects the changes that we discussed about the CBA, which basically mm. means that holding out now basically means your money gets deducted like the team has no uh discretion anymore so if you hold out you get your checks your checks are cut and you have to do it so that's been designed to obviously make holding out a lot less uh, incentivized and mm-hmm. obviously melvin ingram has taken an, a uh, i suppose an imaginative interpretation of showing up to training camp and basically is there but not not there in spirit i suppose and obviously we'll probably see the consequences of this on uh, next uh, on this week's hard knocks um because uh, you know mm-hmm. last week we saw he's a very he's a very colorful character um mm-hmm. you know he's someone who rocked up uh, on day one in his uh i don't know what the hell that car is called that's kind of like a buggy type car hybrid thing and it's uh he seems like someone who likes getting around but obviously the context here is that joey bosa got all that money so obviously other players in a similar position are going to be like where's my money uh so i don't think it'll go anywhere he's in the final year of his contract but I suppose there's no harm in, in trying out or putting yourself at additional risk at this point uh, from his perspective. No, of course, of course. And uh, yeah, like you said, we'll be looking for hard knocks. We're, we're a day earlier this week doing our recording, so hard knocks will be on tonight. So we tomorrow we'll try and catch up. What did you make of the first episode? It was it was okay. Like I, I think it was kind of a situation where obviously they had to take a lot of time with the COVID stuff, and mm-hmm. I thought I personally I found that quite interesting. But obviously, you know, I suppose a lot of pure football heads maybe didn't like it as much but mm. you know like i think covering two teams I, I suppose it means there's less downtime which is okay but i think it's also a case that they are stretching it out a bit uh, you know you're not really getting a feel for either team and like the one thing i would say like I, i'm like i because we already had the rams a couple of years ago uh with fisher but i do kind of find uh mcveigh a bit intolerable to be honest he's such yeah, a yeah he's really he, annoying it's like and everyone like there's a lot of fake laughing at all his jokes as far as i can tell mm. like i'll be honest whereas anthony lynn seems like a complete dude like uh, he seems yeah like a anthony guy. lynn i like i i've got a lot more love for him now having watched that episode whereas i actually i now i now have lowered my estimations of mcveigh <laughs> yeah like like mcveigh like he's a preppy type of guy obviously he's and obviously incredibly invested intellectually in the game of football but anthony lynn looks like a, a a leader of men, to use a cliche. He like yeah. the players seem to respect him. So as long as he's got the right people around him, I think he can get the he'll, he he can motivate those players and see what they do. And of course, we saw a brief glimpse of uh, the new QB in in the Chargers, Herbert and uh, Pep Hamilton, their QB coach. Basically, they gave a quote saying you know, he seemed pretty impressed. Basically, so we'll see like QB controversy develops over the month. Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 watch that. We'll we'll keep track of that, and we'll obviously put some updates into the next one about uh about the uh the the. The storylines that are developing at the back end of it. Sean uh, McVay down in our in our hard knocks power rankings. Anthony yeah. Lynn going up. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so we'll swing over and we'll start our preview of the NFC South. So first up, probably the big hype team of the off season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've added Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, trying to 
capture that magic from uh, you know basically just New England to light. And they also added Tristan Wirfs and Joe Haig, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, Raymond Calais and Shady McCoy. They obviously lost Jameis Winston, the incredible 5,030-30 season he had last year. Um, Debar Dotson, Brashad Perryman, Peyton Barber, Carl Nassib, Bo Allen and Darian Stewart. So obviously this team lives and dies on the back of Tom Brady and what his performance is going to look like. They brought in Gronkowski to give him a weapon that he's used to. They brought in offensive line in the draft in Werfs and they also brought in running back assistants in Keyshawn Vaughn. They've obviously got Shady McCoy coming in. We mentioned that last week. Like That is definitely more name than game at this point. We'll need to see what some of these players actually look like and how they gel. Uh, Tom Brady was in the media this week saying, I've been playing this game for 30 years, if you include my high school, and this is the first season that I'll have an offensive-minded coach. Uh, So he's definitely talking up that he thinks they can do something. This is probably the best collection of wide receivers and tight ends that he'll have had to play with in his entire career, possibly barring maybe one of those Randy Moss years in the early 2000s or mid-2000s. But, like, do we think that Arians is scheme? Because that's normally deep ball, like, kind of threat bomb kind of offense, where Tom Brady is a much more kind of timing pass, or at least has been previously. Do we think that Arians' style is going to mesh well with Tom? Or is this a spot where Arians is going to let him kind of define a lot of the the, the offense yeah because i suppose tom brady historically is kind of he's never really been at the level of uh of a peyton manning where he literally monopolized the offense where he was mm-hmm. basically the oc and the quarterback but obviously tom does do a lot of stuff at the line of scrimmage he does you know he does take a lot of the stuff from the offensive coordinator and collaborate close the relationship with mcdaniels in recent years in particular i seen was generally seen as positive so it's a it's kind of tough to know how much they'll kind of influence each other. And obviously, since people are like the the cliche, like Brady can't throw it deep anymore. Um, you know, like obviously everyone's come out and said actually he's got a his his deep ball is fine basically based on based on the statistics. And maybe it is, but over the course of a season, then he's not someone exactly that I'd be like, you know, lining up you know fifty yard bombs up for regularly because. That does have an effect over the season. We've seen yeah, just, that with just, just think of Drew Brees, like, and Drew Brees yeah. is what two is a year younger than Tom Brady. Yeah. So, like, I think it will probably end up being some hybrid of it. I think for for Tom, it's mostly historically been on a, on the same page. As long as the other guys know what they're doing, I think he'll be okay. And I think in the red zone in particular, he should be fine because he'll have Mike Evans, he'll have Rob Gronkowski, he'll have Chris Godwin. You know, these are these are guys who can all get open. I think like Chris Godwin is perhaps the one that schematically could have even more upside than he had last year after having a massive breakout campaign because I think he's got really good routes, he's got a really good understanding of the game, and I think he's someone who, you know, if they scheme up as well as they did last year, should have a lot of opportunities with Tom. I think maybe the questions with Mike Evans, he got a lot of his plays on on go routes last year, on deep routes, like he was just someone who, you know, Jameis just threw it up deep for him a lot and didn't look quite as... I know he had some health issues, but he didn't look quite as dynamic um, mm-hmm. on those kind of more tight um, routes that, that you would hope for for someone like Evans. Um, and we'll see if Tom is able to take advantage of that. Like, obviously, Gronkowski coming back, like, maybe he makes it done. Like, the the, the, the news out of this week is that Arians is saying that the Florida weather is kicking his ass. So we'll yeah, see he can't if stand he, the heat. <laughs> if he's fucked already. Rather, so and the, you know, like the, I, like, the running back stuff is a mess, but I think 
Tom Brady has shown. Like, I think he he'll probably make one of these guys into a useful passing yeah. back. Maybe that Shady McCoy will see, but you I know, don't they think have, it will be. Maybe Keyshawn Vaughn or Darren Abagwale. Keyshawn Vaughn there. You got a few ones who are just like yeah, yeah. Like, there's enough. There's enough there that they'll find usage. Like the the big question is because I think I think we don't think it'll work as well. Like, I don't think Gronkowski will be what he was, but I do expect this offense to look pretty good to be to be pretty functional. The defense doesn't have a lot of talent on it, and also like I'm not sure if they've made any major changes on the on the off season that makes yeah. me go, Oh, this is now going to take a jump. Like, like I think, I think in that, in, on the defensive side, they're trusting that Todd Bowles can kind of replicate what they did last year, which was a, a marked improvement over what they had. And that these guys will grow into being even better players, particularly in the secondary. Like they played a lot of very young players in the secondary. And there was a lot of growing pains. Like I'm thinking back to like Jamel Dean, who was technically a backup, but, but, probably might be in the starter role this year, uh, got burned in a Seahawks game. They brought in Anton Winfield in, in the in the draft. That's probably the only major change in the secondary. But you have Murphy Bunting um, and players like that. So I think like their hope probably is that they can that, that will be improving under bowls as they as they keep the same personnel. And like they have a bit of talent in the linebackers with Shaq Barrett as a pass rusher and Devin White uh, in his second year and Levante David there and you know they have Vita Vey and, and Sue in the in the defensive line. So I wouldn't say it's a talentless defense, but it's obviously one that, you know, I think you're mostly hoping the premium comes from Todd Bowles continuing mm-hmm. to make improvements, continuing to make people comfortable in it. And I think Todd Bowles, since he's become a defensive coordinator again, has shown that he is a very good coach in that role. And he'll get more out of this defensive talent group than perhaps you might expect from lesser lights. So, like, I don't know if that's going to make them good enough at defense against some of these high-powered offenses, particularly mm-hmm. within their own division. But it's, uh, I suppose, with touchdown Tom in tow, I suppose their hope is just to make it competitive and get rid of the kind of anti, like the offense defense, like the offense hurting the defense so much with the turnovers, like, and seeing even if the, de- the offense takes a little less explosive, if it's not turning the ball over 30 times or, or mm-hmm. well, even more and everything, then the hope, I suppose, is that then the, uh, the defense can kind of stick to its job and do its job well enough that, you're not giving up as many points. Anymore. So what's your what's 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 your expectations for the year? Like I'm kind of in between the high people and the not high people. I've been going nine and seven, just missing out in the playoffs. But I think there's enough here that they they could certainly maybe live up to the reputation. But uh, I like I, I think there's enough question marks that like in this division in particular, I'm not quite mm-hmm. really willing to give it to them yet. I'm the same. I've got them at eight and eight. Uh, has them good for the ninth seed. So they'd be a game or so out from 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 maybe pushing for that last wildcard spot but yeah there's just too much up in the air like i want to see what tom brady looks like in this offense i don't think gronk is going to contribute i don't think shady's going to contribute or at least at least i don't think they'll contribute as much as everyone hypes them i was a good madden has gronkowski as the the third highest graded tight end going into the season like <laughs> yeah like it's it's like yeah i like i'm um... Like, you know, I, I don't think they have to be the team that they're being hyped up to be to be effective. Uh, but I think, you know, that that upside, I suppose, exists. But I, I'm skeptical of it, to be honest. No, of course. That type of upside. I'm the same. Uh, so, swing over to the Falcons. They've added Todd Gurley, Hayden Hurst, Dante Fowler Jr., uh, Charles Harris, Marlon Davidson, AJ Terrell, Darquise Denard, Dion Buchanan, and Lady Ray Wilson. I don't know that one. Who's that? <laughs> He's a defensive back. 
Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, they lost Austin Hooper, Devonta Freeman, Justin Hardy, Vic Beasley, Devondra Campbell, Adrian Claiborne, Desmond Trufant, Jonathan Cyprian, JJ Wilcox. So, yeah, like, this feels like you could just probably go back to our one from last <laughs> year and take the same kind of take. Has this team ever gotten over the Super Bowl hangover? Will they ever be able to churn this defense enough to get the kind of production that they want out of it? Because that's a lot of people gone this year and a lot of people added. It's basically an entirely rebuilt back end. Um, but they've got they've got a good quarterback. They've got good skill position players. Um, I think they've still got some question marks around who is... So it's Todd Gurley's there, so maybe he's going to become the bell cow for them or whatever. But, you know, he's old and had knee issues. Um, this is a team that has, on the surface at least, a good enough offense. Because like, we talk about the Bucks as this 8-8 eight eight team who have a good offense and a so-so defense with question marks in the offense. There's less question marks on the Falcons' offense, I think. But... I can never back them because I just don't think they are resilient. I don't think they have the right kind of... They don't have a good guiding image from their coach in their head. Yes, they did. Uh, they had a nice one in the last like six games of last season to basically stop Dan Quinn from getting fired. But remember, we spent most of, season, of the season last year saying, fire him. He doesn't know what he's doing. They're mismanaging the bits of talent they have. They're churning random spots. Like I just don't... I don't see what they've done, unless Todd Gurley goes back to three years ago, Todd Gurley form, how this team doesn't end up, like, 12th in the league. Yeah, and, like, I think the Todd Gurley move is emblematic of a team that uh, needs some wins, because, you know, he has a, he had a, he was with the Georgia Bulldogs, and, and obviously a huge hype around him because of his historic relationship with the Georgia area. So, you know, they're kind of like, we'll bring in Todd Gurley and maybe he can be like old Todd Gurley. He'll probably be more like last year's Todd Gurley where he's effective enough, mm-hmm. but he's not making those explosive plays and it's mostly at his best in the red zone. Um, like the offense is, yeah, as you say, probably fine. Like they, they lose Austin Hooper and hope, I suppose, that Hayden Hurst can kind of just jump in there and take over all those snaps. And, you know, they got Julio and Calvin Ridley out there basically one of the best one-two tandems at the wide receiver position. So I think the offense will be mostly fine and the offensive line is mostly fine. Uh, but the defense, of course, has been the big disappointment for this team. Because obviously Dan Quinn came in as the vaunted DC from Seattle and they've never really, maybe with the exception of the Super Bowl year, played beyond their talent level. And even that Super Bowl year was mostly Matt Ryan on the offense. Like, And they got plenty of talent there. They have like mm-hmm. Grady Jarrett, they have Deion Jones, um, like these are guys who who are talented, uh, but the secondary has gone under undergone another basically reboot, bringing in Denard and bringing in Terrell as a rookie, uh, and maybe a Wilcox. Uh, sorry, maybe you know, some of these other guys might contribute as well. But this is a you know this is a team that like three or four years ago was locking up guys uh, like um, Desmond Trufant as the future of their team, and over the last couple of years they've just been sl- and Devonta Freeman and they've just been slowly filtering out of the team and right now it just looks like a roster that was kind of that that looks a little bit haphazard and Dan Quinn feels like a coach that once again will be on the hot seat uh, similar to like Matt Patricia we talked about last week and you'd have major concerns about whether under those kind of pressurized situations do most coaches succeed and Dan Quinn has with the exception of that one year the 28 and 3 year which ended so badly hasn't really made the talent sing more 
mm-hmm. uh, than than you know you would expect just based on the individual parts. So I'm not very optimistic about team. It's one of those teams that I'm not optimistic about, but I could see why you could have see the upside. There's enough talent mm-hmm. there that they could surprise us all, but just the, the trajectory just doesn't inspire me to believe that's going to happen. How many wins? Seven and nine, just another blase year. As I said, they're probably too talented to truly collapse, but perhaps they would be better off just having a year that's actually bad and then just kind of moving on. Because yeah. uh, right now they just feel like they're stuck in that purgatory. Yeah, I've got I've got five and eleven. Uh, I could see them winning a few more than that, but I think they've got a decent, like a tough enough schedule. And there's just so many spots where I'm just like, like unless Todd Gurley or someone is a big difference maker, I find it hard to pick them over a standard like kind of. 500 level team in a lot of spots um but we'll see we'll see um uh, like you say i can see the potential i just i just don't see it being realized and the reason i stuck with five and eleven is i think they could get a bounce of two more wins if they change head coach during the season uh but i don't think they will i think they're a bit slower moving they're particular in giving him the extra year so i think they'll let him have the year uh and then get rid of him afterwards mm-hmm. uh panthers this is a whole lot of change uh so <laughs> They've added Matt Rule uh, coming in from the college game, obviously a much-hyped coach coming in. They've added Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, Russell Okun, Seth Roberts, Derek Brown, Yeter Gross-Mathos, Jeremy Chin, Stephen Weatherly and Eli Apple. They obviously lost Cam Newton and Kyle Allen. Uh, They also lost Luke Keekley, James Bradbury, Mario Addison, Gerald McCoy, Vernon Butler, Eric Reid, Greg Van Roden, Greg Olson, Trey Turner and Daryl Williams. So... This is a complete teardown and start again. Um, new head coach comes in. He decides, even on a very affordable contract, now let's not have Cam Newton. I want Teddy Bridgewater. So Teddy Bridgewater had an okay showing uh, in his couple of couple of bits with the with the Saints last year. He went undefeated, Connor. Don't be like, don't be a dick, like. No, he was fine. He wasn't incredible. <laughs> it's like I know, I know, I know. But just like it is worth noting that they did win all their games while he was quarterback. So. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't shit them, like you know. I wouldn't shit them either. But Matt Castle won thirteen games when Tom Brady was injured, <laughs> like, and that's a bigger sample. And we saw what that fucking did. No, like, I, I, I like Bridgewater, but I also like, I, if I'm given the option of Bridgewater or Cam, I'm taking Cam, like, unless yeah. it is, and like I think it is, he's just clearing out and he's trying to set up for what he wants, and he's probably targeting a quarterback in next year's draft, and he's using this year to fill out a couple of pieces. Uh, so the question is, can he make a big impact in this first year? Obviously, they got the new quarterback. They brought in Robbie Anderson. They brought in a lot of defensive pieces. A lot of kind of there's a couple of like kind of reclamation projects here, like Eli Apple and stuff like that. But they lost a lot out of the defense. Luke Keekley obviously retired. Like Gerald McCoy, who's just gone off and got injured in Dallas. Like there's a lot of a lot of snaps gone. Obviously, Cam is gone. Uh, Greg Olson, their longtime tight end, is gone. Like it is a completely new show. So I'm not sure. I'm not overly familiar with Matt Rule's schemes that he ran in college. So is it a spot where they needed to retool the lineup to match how he wanted to run a playbook? Or is this just a start from scratch rebuild where he'll allow the, the, the talent to define his playbook? Yeah, so so I suppose like the problem is that Rule is probably best known as a culture coach, as someone who is really good at building a team identity and getting the best out of uh, get getting the best out of a uh, maybe you know a team that slightly overperforms its position. Um, and of course, there's an additional complication that the person that he brought alongside him um, was Joe Brady, who was heavily involved in that LSU record-breaking offense. 
mm-hmm. um, and was kind of considered to be the brains of the operation by some people uh, for why that offense suddenly just blew up college last year. So Joe Brady is another name to keep a big uh, an eye on. He'll get a lot of hype if this offense ends up working. And I think the offense, overall, I think the offense can work. Like, I think the, the scheme that they run in LSU is, uh, you know, all about getting players open, getting easy completions, quick completions, and mostly kind of underneath routes, stuff like that, and then mix in, you know, maybe, a, maybe more deep balls. But it's all about kind of creating space. And I think they have the types of offensive uh, players that can take advantage of that. I think DJ Moore, that sounds like a scheme that would work very well for him and would probably mm. move him you know, move him and Curtis Samuel from being used as kind of uh, more like deep threats last year, which I think didn't necessarily suit their talent base. And of course, Christian McCaffrey would probably thrive no matter what happens, let's be honest, uh, at this stage. So I think Teddy Bridgewater, the big question for him is that, like Robbie Anderson will have his position as now as a true deep threat. Uh, but I think most of his offense will be about short, quick passes, getting scheming people open, and seeing if that LSU template can work again mm-hmm. um, with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator, and then hope that that kind of makes up for maybe some of the weakness that you see. You know, the offensive line isn't the worst. It has, like, Okung that they traded for, but they lost. They obviously traded with Tri Turner to get him, and Paradise, maybe there's there's a little bit of talent there. But I think, obviously, the reason that I'm not optimistic about this team isn't the offense. I think the offense will be interesting and possibly even quite over, quite, quite do quite well, but the defense is just a major major black hole to be honest like they've obviously yeah. lost most of their true blue chip talent you know they lose Keekley to retirement last year like Bradbury was a very solid mm-hmm. um very solid cornerback for them then you lose a lot of your depth at the D-line position like Addison and McCoy uh, and Butler and so you're kind of looking at this defensive like set of people and you're going there's there's a few people with with, with some upside because they're kind of like you know they got Yetro Gross Matos and the in the draft, mm-hmm. they have Derek Brand in the draft. They got uh, in the first round of draft voted those. Uh, sorry, first round, second round. Uh, and then they have a couple of young players like Brian Burns. But mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of stuff that they're throwing at the wall. I think Matt Rule brought his DC alongside him. So if this mm-hmm. team doesn't do well, I think it's more likely they're getting blown out because of the defense, kind of similar to last okay. year, than the offense being the major issue. I just don't think this off defense will be able to hold up in year one and maybe they'll show improvement as time goes on but that's why i'm yeah. not particularly high in this team at the moment and it's a complete rebuild so year one if they don't do well i don't think anyone's gonna like throw rule out yeah. the bed of the bedroom and that's the thing, a, like, i don't i don't i don't have them winning much but i also like i wouldn't expect them to be able to turn around that quickly with that much that much kind of turnover in personnel yeah. you know i think there's more upside in the offense i think there i think the offense could surprise but i just yeah i don't think the yeah. overall package it would be just an incredible surprise to see both sides of that package actually come together in year one and yeah. and allow Rule to be seen as a genius. So so I only had to go in three and thirteen, fourteen yeah, in the NFC. But I have them five and eleven. I I yeah. think they I think they win one or two more of those coin flip games, but particularly maybe at the back end of the season. But yeah, um, yeah, probably not 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 the best year to be following them. But it's hopefully laying the seeds for a much better year two and year three under under the new head coach. Uh, finally, in the NFC South, the Saints. So. They've added Emmanuel Sanders, Ty Montgomery, Benny Fowler, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, Zach Bond, Nigel Bradham, Anthony Kikillo, uh Cesar Ruiz, James Winston, and James Hurst. I actually forgot that James Winston was there. Um, <laughs> they lost Teddy Bridgewater, Ted Ginn Jr., Mary Warford, Vaughn Bell, Eli Apple, AJ Klein, Stefan Anthony, and Mante Teo. So this is a team that has been 
probably it feels like for the last four years they've been pushing like one big last win for yeah. for Breeze. Um, or it's it's it, it's here. Can they finally get there? They've had two heartbreaking uh, knocking out of the playoff moments in the last two years as well. So the hope is that they can finally get over the hump. There's been a lot of talk in the media about this will be Breeze's last season, even though he signed on for two seasons. They're like. All the commentary coming out of the coaching staff sounds like this is the last year for him. So, obviously, they relied almost entirely on Michael Thomas at wide receiver last year. They've now added Emmanuel Sanders. They've got to try and diversify that offense a little bit. While it was good and functional, it was very specific. It was it was either going to one running back or one wide receiver at any given time. So, do we think they've given enough weapons to take some of the pressure off uh, Thomas and also maybe provide a little bit more schematic stuff that Drees and that can do throughout the year. Cause I presume at some point they're going to want to, like we discussed with the, with the Brady stuff, they're going to want to do a little bit more short routes, not tiring out his arm by the, you know, ninth <laughs> game of the, of well, the he, season and so on. You know, the statistic I think is like, you know, zero completions beyond 15 yards or something over the last season or something like that. Mm. Or, I think there was some statistic like that that was around the the, the, the NFL world the last couple of weeks. But, uh, oh. you know, I, I don't think Breeze is at the stage of a career where he is. I think his deep ball is genuinely on the decline and not mm-hmm. something that's part of it. And I know, obviously, we kind of consider the Saints to be an explosive offense, but that hasn't really been them, particularly last year when Alvin Kamara was hurt and they kind of reverted to Michael Thomas getting, you know, infinity catches mm-hmm. or, you know, between five to ten yards, basically. Um, so I think, you know, it'll be interesting what they do here. I think overall, you know, you look at these uh, additions that they made, it's a lot of older veterans, like mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders, he's in the 30s, Malcolm Jenkins is getting up there, uh, Nigel Bradham is getting up there, you know, they added a couple of young players in ba- like Zach Bannon and Cesar Ruiz, but like, it's mostly older guys making the pushes, you said, mm-hmm. and I think overall, based on the talent, or at least what the name of the talent I would expect them to be slight upgrades over what was there previously. And certainly Ted Ginn Jr. I don't know, he didn't really fit that uh, at this point. Um, so yeah, like I think, like I've been high in the Saints for multiple years. I don't really see any reason to go against them. I think if Kamara is back to full health, he was talking in recent weeks about how he, he's basically plays, he plays most of last season with an injured ankle. And it, it showed if he's back to what we know he can do, then he's an amazing playmaker. They have Michael Thomas. We know what he can do. He's just guaranteed catches, you know, and they bring in a man, they bring in Manuel Sanders. So like Manny Sanders is someone, if he still, if he can still play at the level that he has in in the last couple of years, should be a very good wide receiver too, which is something that they definitely missed last year. Mm -hmm. And the defense, you know, the defense has never been, uh, you know, super elite uh, since Dennis Allen came in and they, they got those, you know, addition of actual elite talent like Marshawn Lattimore to actually make the difference. Cam Jordan's obviously been amazing the last few years. But I think it shouldn't take a step back is the main thing. Um, and if it's about as good as it was last year, then that should be good enough to make them competitive at the top of the NFC. So I I still like this team. I've, 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 I think I've predicted them to win the Super Bowl the last two seasons. Um, <laughs> and of course, yeah, I think this is the big thing. is like once they get to the playoffs, can they put it together consistently? Yeah. And of course, you know, with the Drew Reed situation, we might see a bit more Taysom Hill, and the, I don't know what they're going to do about that. But personally, I think you know, I wouldn't use more of them to be honest, because you're only going to make more controversy. So this is a team that could just do it, going you know, 
12 wins or so without any controversy where everyone's like, oh, they're boring, they're just winning, and then seeing if they can finally put it together in the playoffs. Yeah, like you, they're kind of they're kind of hoping for almost a a uh, Green Bay from last year kind of approach where everyone just goes, oh oh they've won that many games what oh right like kind of just surprised that they were just consistent and not bizarre and not in the headlines because they've put on a three quarterback set where Breeze spritz out and plays wide receiver and stuff like that, um but yeah so you've got them going how many. Yeah, so I have them going 12-4, and four, uh, getting the number one seed in the NFC, but being Super Bowl runner-up. Okay, I've got them going 13-3, and three, getting the first seed, and I think I had them making it to the championship. I'm not sure if they made it in the Super Bowl on my own or not. Uh, they didn't win the Super Bowl on my own. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it should be should be a good season for them. Like, barring... Uh, this is always true for all of them. Barring kind of major injury or something like that, you'd expect them to be pushing into that heavy contention period uh, at the tail end and now we're going to move on to uh, your your home division uh, the NFC West uh, we'll start with the 49ers so they added Trent Williams Tom Compton Javon Kinlaw Kerry Hyder Jamar Taylor Dion Jordan Brandon Ayuk Tavon Austin JJ Nelson and Jordan Reed they lost to Forrest Buckner in a trade to the Colts Sheldon Day Anthony Zettel uh, Joe Staley, Michael Person, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Matt Breida, and Marquise Goodwin. So obviously coming off the loss in the Super Bowl, this is a team that was already pretty stacked, has a nice rotation at defensive line. They traded one of those, but picked up a replacement in Javon Kinlaw in the draft. Um, they've hit a couple of problems now just in the preparation uh, or the, the offseason. They yeah. lost a couple of wide receiver to injury, Sash. I think one was an opt-out. And it's just like, it's if it wasn't for the fact that they've been very good on the scheme and being able to actually use maybe B-level receivers and getting results out of them, like I would normally be quite worried looking at this roster going into the year to could they keep the offensive production at the level they had last year. Yeah, like I think I, I am concerned at wide receiver because I think it does make a difference. And I think particularly when they were in those pressure moments when they needed to come from behind, um, I think there was like some games where they like their lack of offensive playmakers hurt them in that sense because i think they're a team that wants to run the ball first they're a run first team with that shanahan zone blocking scheme that i always bring up and it's incredibly effective like it is very good for getting like they're one of the most explosive versions of that scheme they get a lot of points there like we saw last year with raheem mostert and and his new contract now of course um he was making you know five yards over five yards a, a carry like that's a ridiculous type of numbers that can carry an offense by itself but of course, if when that does call, like come down a level, for example, in that Seahawks game where where Jadavion Clowney was playing out of his mind, you know, you did see some of the weaknesses here. And I think Jalen Hurd is another guy who just got injured there, so that he's out for the season. You know, they're, they they they've lost Debo Samuel, their presumptive wide receiver one. He may or may not be ready for the start of the season. Mm-hmm. So that means that their their wide receiver one right now is probably going to be Broadton Ayuk. There, there. Uh, first round wide receiver and we know that first round wide receivers are are basically a complete like shit show we don't know whether they'll be great or bad like they're just completely you know completely uh, it's completely it's completely impossible to know what they'll do so they may be relying even more heavily on the run game and george kittle to kind of get the job done for them especially in the early goings 
and we'll see how that works. Like, I just don't think it's ever a good sign when you bring in Taven Austin. That just sneaks me of a team that's desperate to get guys uh, on the uh, on the field. Um, but of course, we know that you know outside the running game, the other major thing this defense had going for it was the defense. I think the defense up front, no reason why it should take too much of a step back. I think Buckner probably mm-hmm. was the best of the guys who remain from like their poor era basically in recent years mm-hmm. uh but he was a he was a disruptive force in, at the defensive tackle position and we'll yeah. see if kinlaw who's getting a lot of hype right now that he's a big man and that he'll yeah i've seen i've seen shots. pictures of him at practice and like yeah. he just he is he's thick like he is uh he's a <laughs> big boy it's harder to get the you know like so if he can have a quick start then basically the fact they have boza at armstead and kinlaw and solomon thomas and uh like, you're uh, and all those guys, based at D Ford, sorry, they should be fine, basically. And I think you know they have Quan Alexander and Fred Warner was a revelation last year. So I think the, the big question for the defense is just that secondary. Like, yeah. not that there has been a huge change at the secondary, but they were a little bit older, and I do think that yeah. we saw certain times they're getting exposed speed-wise, which I yeah. think a couple of teams, even within the division, have been looking at and trying to emulate some of the speed stuff, uh, which would be interesting to see. My my big concern with the 49ers, the thing is, like, it sounds silly because they were able to find success last year with it. I still don't know how I rate Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, well, that's a huge <laughs> question. Like, he's he like I think he's like I think I'm coming to the conclusion he's basically just Kirk Cousins kind of thing, basically. Mm. Um, it's a much better looking version of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but. that's true. <laughs> he's less of a twerp than Kirk Cousins. I think. Like I think their strengths aren't necessarily the same. I think like Kirk Cousins is a guy on play action who likes to go for the deep ball and is good at that. Mm. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy off play action who's very good at getting those more crossing. maybe more interme- crossing routes, intermediate routes. Like crossing routes are huge for the the Forty Nine er scheme. Um, which is, but it's all, that's also got him into a lot of trouble because that's where a lot of his interceptions have come from. Mm-hmm. So I think Jimmy G at this point, it's hard to expect him to ascend to being an elite talent. But they they've given him a lot of money. They're stuck with him, and I and I think they'll just kind of continue to kind of work around him. Yeah. Uh, so then the, the the pressure is on the defense to just keep them. You know, if the defense is doing its job again, then they don't need to worry about it too much. But of course, we see that in these high pressure games, these big games. Like the Seattle loss, the Super Bowl loss, these are games where maybe those issues in the wide receiver pool and in the quarterback suddenly they become a lot more obvious. And you know, at, at the at those at those points of the of the playoff um, triangle, then uh, you know those small margins can make a huge difference. No, of course. So I have them going twelve and four and getting the fourth seed. Uh, I actually. I think that's probably fair, but I also like I I think I may have actually given them more wins than I would now give them because I did the I did the initial estimations before some of these wide receiver issues started to hit. Yeah, like uh, I have them going ten and six, fourth, uh, winning the NFC West, going getting the fourth seed and going out in the divisional round. Yeah. Um. Next up, the Cardinals. So they stole uh, DeAndre Hopkins for a song from Houston, added uh, often tackle Josh Jones. Uh, they also had Isaiah Simmons, Devon Kennard, Devondre Campbell, Jordan Phillips, Tevin Cooley, and Lecky Fotu. They lost David Johnson. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Demir Bird, Farrell Cooper, Rodney Gunther, Zach Kerr, uh, Cassius Marsh, Joe Walker, and Brooks Reed. So, obviously, this is a team that had the new 
had the new head coach last year, also brought in their new uh, quarterback, Kyler. Uh, they had some ups and downs, but overall looked like a very exciting offense, really seemed to be gelling towards the second half of the season. So very exciting stuff happening, good high tempo, all that kind of stuff. Um, I like, I love, I'd say like, I love the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Who wouldn't love the addition of DeAndre Hopkins into this? Uh, I think Carter's got the arm to be able to make use of him. He gels well with the weapons that they have. I like the idea of bolstering the offensive line with Josh Jones to try and provide a bit more stability for him. They're doing the correct things that a team should do to build around their franchise quarterback. The things that people like the fucking Jets and stuff just forget to do correctly. Um, the question really is going to be twofold for me. The running game looked good at the back end with Kenyon Drake, but I don't know if that was a big enough sample size for me to say, he's your man, stick with him. And then also the defense was a little bit... Uh, <laughs> uh, at the time. But like we said, sometimes those the defenses may, under new head coaches can maybe take another an extra year or so to scheme together. So maybe it comes in uh, with you know Isaiah Simmons and a few of these people they brought in to, to, to help out. But yeah. uh, those would be my two main worries for this team. Yeah, man, they're already talking about Pat Peterson. They have a comeback here and all that kind of stuff. I think mm. they have made a huge difference, you know, to the defense, except perhaps Isaiah Simmons. So he was a very highly rated uh, prospect in the draft, a kind of uh, Swiss Army knife type linebacker type safety, uh, even situational pass rusher. So I think they're hoping that he can make a big difference there and kind of hold the whole thing together. You know, really pull the defense together is having that kind of you know, be the quarterback of the defense, whatever you want to call it, that type. Because we know those inside linebackers can make a big difference if they're if they're at that elite level. Um, and so that's the big difference on the defense. Because there are there are talented players on the defense. Obviously, Chandler Jones has been, you know, racking up 15-plus sacks for multiple years now. Patrick Peterson, if he can get back to where they need to be. You know, I wouldn't say it's a great defense, but under Vance Joseph, I think mostly what they're hoping for is it to be a okay defense. I think this is always under Cliff Kingsbury. It's always going to be a fir- uh, an offense first team because he's if, if he's in charge of decision making, which by all accounts he he, he is very highly involved in decisions. Mm. Um, he's going to put the eggs in the offense and he's going to have his big exciting offense. And I think the Cardinals therefore will be a fun team. Like Kyler comes into year two, as you say, with the biggest gift of all, a, a bona fide wide receiver one, basically yeah. almost like bringing in Larry Fitzgerald at his peak basically to pair with like later day Larry Fitzgerald and the you know cl- you know clutch of younger players like Christian Kirk uh, and Akeem Butler and so on who who you know who knows which one of those will end up breaking out of all those other guys but I think they're hoping at least one of them will um that this office doesn't really use tight ends much so we can ignore the fact that they have no one there like mm-hmm. Max Williams and Dan Arnold like okay uh, and the offensive line like obviously it's it's a different challenge being the offensive line for Kyler Murray because he's such a dynamic uh, weapon uh, as a quarterback. And he's also like four foot two. Yeah, so I don't know if Josh Jones will make an impact in year one, but I think they have, they have a decent enough talent that they, it shouldn't be a huge drawback. So I think it all, I think their upside basically depends how much you believe in the Cliff Kingsbury experience, basically. Is this mm. up tempo? Is this up tempo approach that he did, which had flashes of being very exciting but which was very inconsistent last year whether whether that's gonna take the leap this year to being like kansas city levels or if we're talking about a chip kelly situation where 
after a year of experience, teams are already going to have to figure this out and he's going to end up having to go back to the drawing board. So uh, I'm probably someone who's less optimistic about him um, in terms of like that scheme being good enough to kind of change the world. But there's enough talent on the offense that they should probably be more consistent than they were last year. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I have concerns that you know, I think the upside of this team is incredibly high. This is a team that if they put it all together could compete for the Super Bowl. But right now, I'm just seeing enough holes that I think they'll look like a better version of last year. Very mm-hmm. exciting to watch, very fun to watch, but not really consistent enough to, to, to always get what they need to do to win games. So Especially because they're in a division with two teams that are used to winning in recent mm-hmm. years as well. So, so I have, have to go 10 and 6, four, sorry, 8 and 8, getting the ninth seed in this case. Okay, I've got to go 11 and 5, getting the 6th seed, making it into the, uh, the, the, the playoffs. I have a... I have I'll give you a hint. I've got three teams in the NFC West making the playoffs, and it's it's not the Rams. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, so eleven and five. Not. I think they'll be. Uh, I think I think the Cardinals will be entertaining. I think if I remember correctly, they have a decent run of it. And yeah, just that offense when you then add in DeAndre Hopkins should be should be very fun to watch. Yeah. Um. We'll move on to the Rams. So they've added Ashawn Robinson, Leonard Floyd, uh, Terrell Lewis. Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, Jeremy Hill. Uh, they also got new offense coordinator Kevin O'Connell and defense coordinator Brandon Staley. So they lost Wade Phillips and John Fossil, their defense coordinator and special teams coordinator. Uh, they also lost Dante Fowler Jr., Corey Littleton, Eric Weddle, Nickel Roby Coleman, Clay Matthews, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Jojo Natson, Blake Bortles. Um, yeah, this team is a mess. This team is a complete and utter mess. Uh, they have a good coach who I genuinely believe might be a robot after watching the uh, the, the, the Hard Knocks <laughs> episode. Um, Wade Phillips was a very good defensive coordinator, and I think they're going to feel the loss of him in there. I think they're overpaying a small group of players. They don't have depth. They've lost a lot of pieces, particularly on that defense. Like, even if they're not at the height of their powers, so Nickel Roby Coleman's a decent decent defensive back. Dante Fowler was able to generate rush for them. Brandon Cooks, even though he had uh, his concussion injuries, was a consistent thousands thousand yards a year kind of which receiver type that they haven't got necessarily the replacement sitting there for. Like I think this team is a complete mess. I'm not as dead on them as you. I think there's enough talent there that they, they could probably put together. Like Aaron Donald, I feel, is probably worth a win or two by himself. Yeah. Um, with his muscles built on muscles. Uh, he, he fit. <laughs> mm. uh, he good at football. Um, so, look, I, I've never been optimistic on the Rams when they're at their peak, but I kind of, you know, on the downside, I don't really see them turning into a terrible team. I think McVeigh, as a personality, I'm perhaps going off, but I think as a head coach... I think he's shown enough that I think that their offense will still be effective or at least, you know, at least not turn it to being terrible. I think it'll be certainly effective enough. And I think, you know, I think this was going to happen. Like he was brought in as the wunderkind. He obviously had an incredible success kind of turning around that Fisher experiment very quickly. Um, And obviously brought in kind of Wade Phillips uh, to kind of shore up the defensive side. And then John Fossil was, someone who's been a great special teams coach and they got mm. rid of So I think getting rid of Wade Phillips and John Fossil is an assertion of authority that he's going to build the team his own way. And he brought in an offensive coordinator and Connell who comes from the Shanahan school, which McVeigh comes from as well. And then he brings in 
um, someone from Big Fangio school on the defense. So uh, I think the 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 the, the three four personnel is it's not an issue because that that's coming from a three four personnel as well, like scheme as well from Fangio. So and they have Aaron Donald, so <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it it does feel like a team that's in slow decline from my perspective. I think you're probably seeing them as a fast decline. And I think maybe the difference between those two perspectives, yes, comes down to the less talent and stuff like that. But I think the offense, you know, I think they'll they'll make it work, and the defense will be okay. And they have Jalen Ramsey obviously there along with Aaron Donald and and you know some other guys that they, they should do okay. I think maybe the difference in us obviously will come down to someone like Jared Goff. Like he's obviously someone neither of us rate particularly highly. No. But it's just a question of whether what we saw last year, where at times he looked completely lost, is what we see. Or maybe we just see him being like relatively effective again, or just sim- you know simplify things down for him with the truncated off season and just get him back to kind of hopefully the scheme can do most of the work. So you know like maybe maybe doing very badly would be better for them because they could continue to, to to truly blow up this roster. But um, I think for now they they probably feel they still have that window's just open just enough that they can't afford to just get rid of everything. And I think the guys that they got rid of were either because they didn't have enough money for Dante Fowler or because Todd Gurley was over the hill. And Bradley Cooks, obviously, is a huge health issue. Oh. Um, so, uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what to think of them really at the moment, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt for now. I think you're right, with respect. Like, I, it is, a lot of it comes down to just, like, they've spent a lot of money on Jared Goff, who I think is a complete waste of money. I don't think he's a particularly good quarterback uh, for them. I think... We've seen over the last year and even kind of year and a half that the way that they were being coached and McVeigh was in his ear and making sure everything was nice and clear and done for him, that was figured out. And they have not been a good team since just before, even before that Super Bowl, that New England kind of just took them apart defensively. Like they haven't been the same. Jared Goff is not great. They've got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as their one two, really. Like, Maybe Reynolds like, is in there too. Like, yeah, like they're they're different. okay, but they're not <laughs> nothing nothing surprising. Like yeah. nothing great there. I suppose the the other big downside is the the offensive line is still you know from being a big strength when they got to the Super Bowl. Mm. It was a we it was probably erring towards a weakness last year, and now maybe it's even more so because Whitworth's not getting any younger, and they've lost some of the other talent. So yeah, yeah, I think if the if the offensive line is weakening, then yeah, the golf point probably may become a bit stronger. Yeah, but we'll see. Like like you said, look, Aaron Donald's always worth a win or two. That's why I gave him three wins. Uh, <laughs> I got them going three and 13. Uh, eight and eight here, one less win than last year, but maybe three and 13 is what they need to actually kick down the arse and make the big changes they need. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I could yeah. be, like, I'm more than happy. I could be completely wrong and McVeigh's got something figured out, but just I'm, I, I just don't... I'm not convinced. Like You know me. They're, they got an extra win as well because Clay Matthews no longer plays. <laughs> like that's that's where the three wins came from. Uh, you know. Next 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 up we got the the Seattle Seahawks. They've added Jamal Adams, Quentin Dunbar, Jordan Brooks, uh, Darrell Taylor, Bruce Irvin, uh, Benson, Mayoa, Carlos Hyde, Greg Olson, Brandon Shield, B.J. Finney, and Damian Lewis. Uh, lost to Vinnie Clowney, but who knows? Maybe that's not permanent. He's still not got a job. Ooh. Quentin Jefferson, Alwood, Ziggy Ansa, Justin Britt, Jermaine Effetti, George Font. DJ Fluker, CJ Prosize, Jerome Brown, Josh Gordon, but again, who knows, he might be back. Uh, Ed Dixon, and obviously they brought back uh, Beast Mode for their final push at the end due to some injuries. So, 
obviously the big questions coming out now are going to be are they going to continue to play 1960s football or are they going to let Russell Wilson start passing again? Uh, Carol Schadenheimer always wanted to use his running back first model, but you're paying so much money towards him. You now have a good collection of wide receivers having hit uh, in the draft last year that I think there's probably more of a chance for them to do that, but they will have the return of uh, running backs who were injured last year. They'll probably want to feature as well and continue the, the ongoing fantasy nightmare that is who will be, you know, surviving more than two weeks in the Seahawks <laughs> backfield. Um, They've lost a couple of pieces on the line, uh, which, to be honest, like the line has never been like the strongest for them. Yeah, but... it's, it's the continuity that's the problem, basically. Yeah, it's 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 a team where the offensive line hasn't been great the last couple of years, but at least they were last year. They kept the same guys, mm-hmm. and I think you, I think all the statistics that that people can bring up show the continuity is actually important for the offensive line, and they basically just replaced three of their starters. Okay, let's see how that goes. Um, <laughs> so they bring in Brandon Shell, they bring in BJ Finney, and they bring in Damian Lewis, and I think at least two of those are likely to be new starters along the offensive line, and they're not exactly getting younger at the offensive line either um, with Dwayne Brown as left tackle, so it's a I think like they're using Ogibe at the moment uh Cedric Ogibe is somebody they signed and he's playing at the moment in training camp because of some injuries so like it's not it's not good basically mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's huge huge uncertainty around the offensive line uh which might actually be good because the run game might be so ineffective because of the offensive line maybe they'll use Russell Wilson like he is because he like last week the, the 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 thing Russell Wilson said is like you know you know what's the difference between the first three quarters and the, and the fourth quarter and basically he said um you know, like, you know, it's about establishing a run, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I wouldn't mind playing the other three quarters, like the fourth quarter, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. it's, you know, what if he played every quarter, like the fourth quarter, or the Seahawks did? It could be pretty exciting. And we've seen glimpses of that uh, maybe three or four years ago, and it was pretty exciting. But, I don't know, Daryl Bevel had that 9-7 and seven year, and, and Pete Carroll decided to blame him for it, rather than all the injuries he had at the time. Mm. The other big question mark is the defensive line. Um, I think they have Puna Ford um, at DL, uh, and they have uh, sorry at DT, and I suppose they're hoping that Jerron Reed can 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 get back to where he was two years ago after a down year with his suspension last year. But at edge, they're really relying on a very young set of players. There's very little experience there. You're talking about LJ Collier, their first round pick from last year. We spent a lot of time on the sidelines. Rasheem Green is another second-year player. Benson may always more of a retread, uh, and uh, they brought back um, they they brought brought back uh, Bruce Irvin, but he's probably going to end up playing more linebacker. So mm. and Daryl Taylor was a, he's, list, he's listed as your Leo linebacker at the moment. So. Yeah, and like Daryl Taylor is another rookie. So you're talking about a lot of uncertainty on that defensive line. Obviously, they have like. Uh, uh, <coughs> They, they obviously have Bruce, uh, sorry, Bobby Wagner and KG Wright at linebackers to be found there. So I think the big question mark for them in terms of improvement would be the secondary. They obviously traded for Quinton Dunbar um, towards the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he's been a very good cornerback in the at the Washington football team. And so they're hoping him to probably supplant um, their CB2 from last year, Trey Flowers, and kind of improve them there mm-hmm. and see if they can find someone to fill the uh, slot role. Um, and then Jamal Adams, obviously, they made that blockbuster yeah, the big trade. trade. 
you know, he we talked about it at the time, uh, but the big thing that he offers is scheme flexibility. He's someone who can play in the box, can play in coverage, can take away tight ends. A huge weakness that they had last year, they just gave up a lot of touchdowns to tight ends and a lot of yards. Mm. If he can take away the tight ends, I think Shaq Griffin is a Pro Bowl-level player. Quinton Dunbar is a Pro Bowl-level player. So I'm not quite ready to say, and obviously they, they made another trade for Quandary Diggs last year, and he looked pretty good when he was playing. So... It's not quite the Legion of Boom, but this could become a. Secondary. It looks like a nice collection, yeah. Yeah, it could be a nice, you know, secondary first team again, and then it's just a matter of like, can some of these young pass rushers that they have, uh, you know, from Green and Collier and Taylor, if they can get enough production from those guys to make sure they're not under, not under too much pressure, and there's probably a decent chance that they'll pick up someone, a veteran, uh, before the season. You know, maybe that's the cheapo Clay Matthews. Maybe it's Jadavian Clowney. We'll see how it goes. So this is, and I think on the offense, look at Seahawks offense. It's not going to be fun. But uh, Greg Olson, I think, could surprise people. He'll probably get a lot of red zone looks. And Carlos Hyde will get a lot of attention early on in the year as as, as Chris Carson comes back from injury. Um, but I think you'll basically have the same thing last year. I suppose the one thing that, that everyone might be excited for is to see more DK Metcalf action mm. in bullying more players. Um, he's always fun to watch because he, he's such a ridiculous freak of a, of a human yeah. being. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of upside there as long as you have Russell Wilson. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have he, he happens to have coaches who are like, hmm, look at all this upside. But what if we kept every game to one score? Wouldn't that just be more entertaining for the fans? Okay, let's do that <laughs> instead. Um, so it's Seahawks football. You just get used to it. it it's, it's, it's life. You know, it's it's at worst nine and seven, and at best, you know, maybe twelve to and thirteen wins. Mm. So I have going ten and six this year. Very classic recent Seahawks uh, type of record. Going getting the sixth seed, but going on the wild card round. Uh, yeah, if you go an eleven and five, fifth seed, and I think I had you making the championship. Wow. Uh, Russell Wilson, yeah. Yeah, Russell Wilson. I, I, well, I was just I was silly. To, a, to a stupid Mr. Unlimited yeah. bullshit. Mr. Unlimited. It's like, yeah. I was like, I listened to that and I just thought, he, is, is he high or something? And I was like, oh, wait, no, no, it's, it's Russell Wilson. Like, at best, he had a sugar in his coffee and now he's just buzzing. You're a dweeb. Just like, you know, don't don't try to make it. Like, I get like you probably get more sponsorship money if you have a little bit of edge, the slightest edge, but... It ain't you, bro. It ain't you. Uh, so I see you've put a couple of just slight statistics about, because that's the end of our previews, about our previews. So our biggest disagreements are the Colts and the Rams, where we have like five games of a difference between where we think they're going to land. Uh, closest agreements, we, you know, we're we locked in. Bills, Eagles, Giants, and Washington, we all agree on their records. Uh, and we average out a two games difference of our opinion, which I suppose is probably about, uh, seems about standard, to be honest. Yeah. Like there's only you know there's only I suppose a difference of sixteen allowed so two you know two divided by sixteen nice you know of difference it's yeah. probably pretty standard I'd say not too bad not too bad so any other crack with yourself any plans for the next little while yeah well I'm tipping away at uh, work at the moment and then the Champions League and Europa League stuff is finishing up over the next few days so. Mm little bit of sport remaining uh, for, for the end of, well, near the end of August. And, uh, yeah, obviously seeing how bad this new lock, mini lockdown stuff will go. Like uh, Yeah, I'll be looking at that as well, uh, mostly because we'll be doing, like, we've got some travelling stuff planned. I'm still up here for another two and a half weeks, but um, Maraid is looking at popping down to visit her folks beforehand and that. So uh, 
yeah we'll have to see if there's any travel restrictions and stuff like that or how it'll work uh we also we had a we got a new a new niece was born there so we uh we were planning to pop down and see them at some point but uh again it's all going to be dependent on what is said from the from the lockdown stuff so we'll have to keep an eye on that and then obviously i'll be doing doing a wee tour of the country come september to pop down and see us all so it'll be it'll be good crack yeah here's hoping and mm. uh yeah like well, obviously we, we, you know we, we've gone over every team and i think if we go back now a lot of these <laughs> predictions might have changed because the last couple of months have been pretty oh yeah the, the some, of them, some, some of these have definitely changed since i started them like <laughs> uh, oh we've, we've lost two of our starting linemen oh maybe it's not 12 wins then uh <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah. we, we, we did it, but we, we did the predictions before the first week, the AC East North preview, and we'll stick with them. Mm. Um, so please, if, if they end up being very wrong, you know, we're just going to blame that, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it's of COVID, course, we'll, it's it's COVID, we'll COVID, get into COVID. the real prediction business, which is, uh, you know, our week to week predictions uh, for our first week preview. And yeah. we'll see if you can hold on to your crown this year. Yeah, it'll be fun. Do you know what? I, I won the Boards.ie annual one as well. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, I had the, I had the most correct predictions on the year there. It's like the one. It's like the one year you didn't have easy access to like to any gambling. Uh, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> just put, if you just put a couple of fivers down, you might have got one of those. Uh, one of those. Uh, those multipliers. Oh, the big accumulator uh, yokes. Yeah, might have actually yeah. worked out. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. No, uh, I think the problem with those is always they were against the spread, so they were much more difficult to figure out sometimes. Ah, yeah, yeah. Whereas it was just it was just straight win loss, so like you know it was it was, it was grand. Um, but yeah, I suppose we will. We'll need to work out. It'll probably be a. We'll probably be two weeks before we put the next one of these out because. Yeah, I think. We'll start. We'll start our preview one then. Week one uh, preview. Yeah, but uh, pre preseason awards, of course, are. Oh, of course, yeah. We'll need our preseason awards and our week one preview. That'll be our next one, or maybe we'll split that into two. We'll see what works time wise for us. Um, but I suppose for now, that's uh, bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.